Welcome back to Rockstock Channel. Keith Coglin, the managing director of European Metals Holdings, on the back of some very interesting news here that Cinevec, which we always said is the most strategic, largest, you know, deposit in Europe, has actually been labeled that by I guess the European Commission, and also it looks like they're allocating significant funds to various projects. But it looks like you know the Cinevec might get fifty million euro. You need to apply for it still. But just talk about the press release that came out as a start. We want to talk about why your stock has not performed relative to some others, and we often see not every year the same companies perform the best, right? So. Those that haven't performed can prize and illiquid shares uh, could very easily, you know, double or triple on news flow. So let's talk about first this news and then Rodney and I'll ask questions about the rest. Sure. Well, hi. Hi, Howard. Hi, Rodney. Good to be back chatting with you fellows. Uh, yes. So we announced today that the project had been formally recognized uh, as a strategic project under a European Union entity called the Just Transition Fund. And that's, uh, as we say in the announcement, it's been approved by the European Commission, Czech uh, central government, and also by the Czech regional government, the region in which the project operates. So that means that the, the project has been cleared to be able to formally apply for funding up to, as you said, approximately 50 million euros. The grant's actually in Czech, so it depends on the, you know, the currency at the time. We can do that over the course of the of the coming year. It can be done in parts, and that's probably how we will do it. We'll probably apply for grants for specific parts of the early works development later in the year, and it's a, it's a very positive step. Okay, so this just transition fund you were telling me is a forty billion dollar euro fund across Europe. You said the Czech Republic was allocated one point six four billion of this, and 632 million of that euros are allocated to the Usti region. And you're one of 11 projects in the Usti region and the only mining project. Okay. So the Usti region presumably is historically a, a coal region that are going to suffer from the energy transition. So this grant that you're expecting for Cinevec, UN Ches, you know, is just part of that. That's right. So the, the Just Transition Fund was set up specifically for that purpose, to assist European Union regions previously dependent on the coal economy to transition to green energy. And the Usti, the Usti region is very much like that. You know, our project's surrounded by historic coal pits and there are still active coal operations going on in the region. So, you know, as you shut down coal mines, it obviously has a negative impact on certain parts of the economy and the community. You know, people out of work, for example, and so the, the EU recognised this, put together the Just Transition Fund to assist that transition. And, you know, really the Cinevex project is a model for the JTF with regards to mining projects. So you mentioned, yes, 11 projects in the Ulsti region have been approved. Others others applied and, and were not approved. But importantly, Cinevex is the only mining and, you know, lithium processing project on that list. It's not the only one in the Usti region within or of the 40 billion that the European Commission has allocated for this. Have there been any other mining projects that have been labeled strategic in other countries? Not that I'm aware of, Howard. There may be, but not that I'm aware of. 
And this grant you were telling me is, you know, it's free money. It's directly to you. It's a little bit different than the grants that the U.S. and Canada have given. We've talked with Piedmont Lithium about their grant and E3 Lithium about the grant that they received. Those grants are kind of like matching grants. Like right? So for every $2 they spend, they then get, you know, a dollar back. But in, in this case, you're saying... No, this is money that once you're once it's allocated to you, you haven't gotten it yet. And I want to understand, you know, the application process and timing of that. But once you have it, you could use it instead of equity, you know, for the early stage, you know, site works and and, and other long. Yeah, that's that, that's correct. And those sorts of things are exactly what we would envisage uh, making a specific application for when we get to that stage. So things like uh, early stage works, site access, you know, we already have a fully worked up decline plan in place and that would qualify, uh, would enable us to get access to the, the underground earlier uh, than otherwise, which would be very handy for us in terms of dewatering and other factors, but also would help us with access roads to the portal, uh, access roads to the um, lithium carbonate processing plant site, uh, demolition at that site. Uh, earthworks, that sort of thing. But then as the project further develops, we can make application for assistance or for grants for other other parts of the project as well. And as, as I say, that's up to a total of 50 million euro, euros possible. It's certain you don't have to apply for all of it in one part. You can do it in a, in a specific works fashion, as I just outlined. Okay. Well, great. Well, congratulations for that. Let's talk about, we interviewed you on this channel in August of 2021. I can't believe almost 18 months ago, your stock was at $1.60. Rodney then prepared and we prepared an equity overview in January of last year. So Ches, you know, in the midst of the pandemic in May of 2020, Ches took 51% of the Cinebec project and wrote a check for 29 million euro. That was meant to fully fund you to kind of like definitive feasibility study. I understood from our conversation earlier, there, there's now $10 million left, 10 million euro left at the joint venture. Um, but, and separately you raised at the EMH level in February 2021, you raised seven million Aussie at a dollar ten, and then last year, January 2022, you raised fourteen million dollars at a dollar forty. You know, anchored by Ellerston Capital, a major fund in Sydney, and here we are in the stock sixty-seven cents. Last year, you know, I, I don't know. We want to understand kind of the reasons for that, but I feel like Europe a lot, given the Russia-Ukraine war and the focus of Europe on you know energy security and a bunch of things that there seemed to be a bit of lagging broadly in Europe you're as a European lithium story you're not the only one that that has not performed super well but we've always thought that you're a strategic deposit it's great that the EU you know is saying that you are hard rock it's not spodumene it's it's a mica based you know a project with a head grade similar, I think, to what Thacker Pass and, and some other clay opportunities are from a, a lithium content perspective. Uh, but you've you've announced a number of things over the course of the year that Rodney will like dig deeper into. There's been some changes to the flow sheet, but you know what what's the path from here to I guess a final investment decision and and getting this thing up and running. The backdrop obviously of lithium is much better. Prices are much higher. Commodity equities tend to follow commodity prices, but yours has gone the opposite way on 
on very low liquidity. So I know there are a lot of viewers of this channel who are loyal EMH holders, patient. You know, this has been a Ernest Hemingway, uh, the sun also rises. We've talked about a slowly then suddenly, you know, thing. And uh, hopefully this is a EMH's year, but for you know, those who have been suffering and patient and trying to understand what's happening, here's an opportunity to to let I guess describe last year or the last 18 months and and, and why the next you know six to 18 months will be hopefully a lot better. Sure, and you're right. You know we have underperformed and and you know take that completely on the chin. Some of the factors I think have been external and some have been internal. We've definitely been slow with the DFS and the completion of that. And we will be able to update the market on that very shortly. We you know, we have an announcement on the DFS that's imminent. But, you know, there have been some macro factors and not wishing to make excuses, but they do obviously have some effect on, on the way things have proceeded for us. You highlight an interesting point, and that is that, you know, Europe has been slow from a global point of view. And I think they've probably been the slowest, certainly the slowest of any of the major markets at embracing this. It is frustrating. There's been a lot of talk for almost three years now about the, the Green Deal and the commitment of a trillion euros to the you know, green energy transition in Europe, then further formal statements of things like the Critical Raw Materials Act and these sorts of things. But actually seeing those macro statements convert to, you know, micro outcomes, you know, something on the ground and in reality has taken and is continuing to take quite a long time. And that's very, it is very frustrating. We've seen some of the mainstream European car manufacturers make big statements about what their aspirations are with regards to batteries and with regards to securing raw materials, but they're not actually doing much about that. And, and um, you know, all, all of those things just make it go by a lot slower for us. Hopefully with this JTF announcement, now the Just Transition Fund, and we are seeing, we're certainly seeing an increase in conversations in Brussels, which probably it was led by Biden's Inflation Reduction Act. You know, that certainly the Europeans stood up and took notice of that. And we are seeing subtle changes in Brussels about, you know, how this can actually now be deployed, turn into real boots on the ground action. You know, that's the sort of thing we need in a project like Sinovich to be able to give confidence to the market of, of when we will get fully permitted, what will happen in the way of funding, and therefore, you know, when we'll actually be, be able to deliver lithium into these European car makers and battery mark makers who so desperately need it. In terms of, of how I think that's going to pan out in 2023, how we're going to take this now through, you know, the JTF announcement is, it is a significant positive. It's not just the fact that there's potentially 50 million euros of grant money to assist us, you know, 50 million euros that the project wouldn't have to find elsewhere. So that is obviously less dilutionary to our equity holders, but it's also, it's also an endorsement of the project. You know, one thing about the, the methodical way that the Europeans go about doing this is that, you know, it may take time, but when when they do make a decision, you know that it's it, it's set in concrete. And so, you know, as, as Sinovic progresses and we do draw down on funds from the JTF successfully, I think it becomes a complete endorsement of the project in the eyes of the, of the European Union and the various governments. And I think that's very, very important for us from the point of view of, A, securing the project finance which I think will be a significant positive for the project. 
that stage and and also just you know giving the market the confidence that the project is going ahead and it's going into production other factors that are going to come through into that important factors informing the market of when the dfs will be finally completed which as i say it's imminent before we'll be able to do that i do stress that the completion of the dfs is not the the critical path item it's the permitting you know and the permitting process in europe in the czech republic is what we might term slow if we're used to dealing in in other jurisdictions you know that perhaps have a more active mining industry but we are seeing things improve on that front as well chairs our partner is obviously very well versed in applying for permits in the czech republic for both building mines and also for building processing plants or in their case power plants and they have already made some inroads they've already managed to shorten some of the timelines that we we're otherwise facing from a permitting point of view but we are looking to continued macro changes in the region and in country to shorten up that permitting process and bring the project online as quickly as possible. We'll also, you know, I've also mentioned to you and to others that we are looking at ways to significantly increase the annual production from Cinebits as well. It's a very, very large resource, over 7 million tonnes LCE, as you're aware. But the initial production profile is just under 30,000 tonnes per annum of battery grade hydroxide and or carbonate. So we're looking at ways that we can significantly increase that. Clearly, the demand is there in Europe. And I think that's something that we'll also be able to inform the market on in, in a very short period of time. Keith, just if I can interject there. So you mentioned the DFS and permitting. Let me just understand which of the feasibility studies will have the mine plan that you're looking to permit? Well, the current feasibility study on the new flow sheet, Rodney, as announced in November. So that's the one going forward for permitting? Correct. Okay, great. So so then the DFS is just a refinement, but that's the one that that's getting cleared yeah and that clearly that's been a part of the reason for what the market would see as a delay in us delivering the dfs you know it became evident there was no point finishing the dfs on the the original flow sheet you know it had to be adapted to the current flow sheet because the current flow sheet is in so many ways significantly superior to that original flow sheet you know from a, from a number of different perspectives okay great Keith, uh, looking at the updated flow sheet, there seem to be, uh, it seems to have been simplified and it seems to come with a number of ESG advantages. Can you fill us in on those? Sure. So, yeah, ESG advantages and obviously cost advantages, Rodney, less steps, you know, as we as we announced, considerably less steps. All of the all of the cooling circuits have been are no longer required. So that's helpful from a cost point of view, but also obviously from an ESG point of view. We've identified between 10 and 15% saving in both OPEX and CAPEX with the uh, with the new flow sheet, uh, but also, you know, able to produce a very high purity material, both hydroxide and carbonate, and has also announced the ability to produce a high quality lithium sulfate and a high quality lithium phosphate, both of which we think could become interesting, perhaps intermediary products as, as various markets develop. Great. And just on that, when I looked at the latest presentation, it mentions uh, the paste backfill, but it also tailings to be used to rehabilitate adjacent coal pits. That seems to be a, a new development. So the the cemented backfill won't utilise all of the tailings. I, I can't off the top of my head remember the number of years. I think it's seven years. But thereafter, we will be depositing tailings into uh, some of the local 
uh, culprits and helping to rehabilitate them along the way. So that's a new thing that's obviously helpful. It should kind of support permitting. Yeah, well, certainly any, you know, it, it is a, a positive from an ESG point of view. It's a further positive from a just transition fund point of view, if you like, as well. Uh, but yes, it, it should certainly assist with the permitting. Again, just on the, you know, looking back at the uh, PFS, you know, you used $17,000 a tonne for hydroxide as a long-term price. If you look at Albemol's recent presentation and, you know, RK, what we've been saying for some time is it's highly improbable to have less than 20000 as a long-term price just for incentives and probably closer more to twenty five. If we're, one were to bump up the uh, feasibility study estimate, you know, 50% to closer to sort of the 25000 how would that, what's the gearing of that into your NPV and RR, if you know that kind of off the top of your head? Well, I do, but obviously you need, you know, you need to make assumptions on costs and what have you as sure. well. We've seen we've seen inflation, particularly in Europe, but it and but as I say, we've also identified some significant savings in the new flow sheets. So if we just said that those two things cancel out, which may be generous, but if we just use that number at twenty five thousand, I think that the post tax MPV doubles from what we stated in the in January of last year, and I think the IRR goes post tax to about fifty three percent. Okay, so nicely geared then to that that pickup. And I guess, you know, you've mentioned previously as well as in discussions on offtakes and so on, how what you're allowed to publicly disclose, how, how are those coming on? So, so our last big strategic meeting with our partners, Chairs, was in adopting the new flow sheet back in November. And at that point in time, we flagged the, the next two key items for us to address for, from a project point of view was funding an offtake. Uh, I'm back in Prague and don't, you know, specifically for these that reason, we, we've got a couple of strategic meetings with our partners over the course of the next few weeks. And we we believe it's time to accelerate discussions in both of these areas. Okay. And, and uh, what of course would be helpful in any discussion is having the flexibility of, of, of both carbonate and hydroxide. Is that the possible with a flow sheet it is yes absolutely in in fact we can actually we can actually make hydroxide with a new flow sheet without having to go through carbonate which is um, an interesting development as well most of the conversations we're having are still about lithium hydroxide interestingly in europe but uh, i think having that flexibility is still very important um, and that's why we also proved that we could produce a lithium sulfate of high purity and a, and a lithium phosphate as well. You know, as, as we see the LFP market advance, we may see, you know, further interest in lithium phosphate, for example, as, as a precursor. And, you know, there's already talk in Europe about significant companies that would like to buy lithium sulfate. Okay, great. So, well, that opens up more doors. Good for you to have those uh, discussions. The timing of the DFS. What's the sort of latest estimate on that? We'll make a formal announcement on it very soon. I wouldn't like to preempt that announcement, Rodney, but the market will know that very soon. I suppose with doing it all properly and going through the discussions, the start date, is it, I guess those adjustments will come out as well. Then. Yeah, and as I say, the you know the overriding key to the timeline for the entire project is the permitting process. It's not the DFS. Although, obviously, you know, we'd like to get that done as quickly as possible. Sure. Um, 
but it's the permitting process and we are spending a lot of time and a lot of effort on working through that and making it as short as possible. As I say, chairs clearly are well-placed to be having those discussions, but also I feel that with an improvement in the macro within Europe, macro view on the need for Europe to develop its own critical raw materials, the now formal recognition of Sinovitz as a strategic project. I'm hoping that these sort of macro factors may have a positive uh, benefit for us on shortening some permitting timelines as well. Given you know the announcement at the start of our conversation, do you feel that Europe and the EU are, are, are finally ready to sort of push harder and push forward? You know they came out the gates early. Are you starting to feel now it's going to be backed up by aggressive action? I mean, I, don't know, I wouldn't say counter, but sort of match the RA and so on in the US that they they now feel a, a greater sense of urgency. I, I think that's the case, Rodney, and it you know I think that's evident in a number of statements and speeches we've seen from various uh, European Union, European Commission uh, key people. And I think it was really the the US announcement, the IRA, that that made them sit up and take notice the most, you know, a, a key trading partner for the EU, a you know, the world's largest economy, and, um, you know, someone who they pay a lot of attention to from a strategic point of view. So Keith, just one other thing to mention, just a bit on the delays. Last year, really, like March 2022, was the first time you were able to travel again from Perth to talk face-to-face with your partners. And you've now been back, what, like four or five times? Yeah, yeah. Something like that. Like, we've been in touch and you're always back and forth. I mean, there's much more dialogue, it is. But yeah, I think the Ukraine thing, definitely, there was momentum... And then it stopped, you know, it slowed, you know, because everyone was distracted with, you know, energy prices and a whole other considerations. But the Inflation Reduction Act was only passed, what was it, late last year? I think it was um, November. Yeah. Okay. So it's a positive. Europe's getting with the program, you think, following the U.S., you know, on a leveling of the playing field, you know, point of view. There have been lots of announcements. I mean, we I keep putting up this, you know, Jerry Maguire, show me the money um, because, you know, I think um, there's just been a lot of stuff. And there are a couple of people on Twitter who are following this you know, super closely that are constantly tagging me with, you know, the most recent statement. And I'm like, okay, great. Just uh, Europe's great at talking, you know, but where's the money? And here we are, you're a, a step close to getting the money, but this announcement is not yet the money, but it's, it's the gears of Europe move slowly <laughs> because there's a lot of yes. different countries, yeah. but they're, they're moving to, in, in a direction of understanding they need localized supply and your big deposit. And this project is strategic and Chez is 70% owned by the government. And might you see, I forget which company was a French company. I think it was a French company last year. It was Aramet who announced this billion dollar lithium project, you know, out of converting, I forget exactly what it was now, but we, we talked about it. But this was far, far in this decade, you know, it was at a scoping study level, but it was a big company basically saying, We've got lithium, you know, is, is why don't we hear from Chez ever about, you know, in a public forum, how important this project is to their development? Well, I think, you know, Chez is a very large company and this is, you know, this is a small part of what they, they do as a company. You know, they employ 35 odd thousand people and I think, I think their market capitalization is about 25, uh, 25 billion Aussie, you know. Chez has been very preoccupied with, uh, European energy security, 
um, as you can probably understand for the last 12 months, you know, they, they provide all of the power for the Czech Republic. So ensuring that the, the Czech people have heating over the winter has been Ches's primary consideration. You know, I've been here to have meetings with senior people with Ches uh, over the, the last year and, you know, they've had to leave with a, with a moment's notice to go to meetings at the ministry. You know, they have, they have been preoccupied, as frankly they need to have been, with the European energy crisis. But I can assure you the... The specific people we deal with at Ches, the specific people who are involved in Geomet, the subsidiary, the company that holds the licences to the Stimulix project, completely um, engaged and completely committed to the development of this project as we are. Okay. So, Keith, uh, I was in Budapest uh, over the break, and you know, I passed by the uh, Intercontinental Hotel and took a picture. And unfortunately, I will not be able to go back there at the end of March for you know, benchmarks kind of, you know, flagship European event, but th th they recently wrote that Hungary, there's major battery factories in Hungary, uh, the Czech Republic, obviously with Skoda and Auto, but you're going to be there. This is uh, the, the end of March. You know, there's some momentum to, hopefully there's some momentum to the, to the European critical minerals, you know, you know dynamic, but uh, anyway, any thoughts on that? Yeah, look, I'm looking forward to attending that event very much. The, the last Benchmarks event I attended was in Perth uh, late last year, and it was a very, very good one. Had a you know very high level group of companies and individuals attending. You know, I mean, Benchmark do this space very well, so I, I will certainly be there. And uh, Hungary's not a million miles away from the Czech Republic. We might even be able to take some of the delegates up to site um, before or after the uh, the conference. I think that would be great. I mean, site visits definitely are back in the fore. Uh, um, Rodney and I have done a number of them last year, but yeah, there's a great opportunity. I don't know how close it is, but you know, the, this underground deposit, like you know. It covers two countries, Germany and the Czech Republic, right? You, you told me uh, you go yeah. down there and there's a border crossing. There is this under, the underground border <laughs> at about 85 metres vertical. And you did ask me to elaborate a little on the history of the project, which I neglected to do. But you know, Cinex is a historic tin mine. Tin was mined here off and on for over 600 years, which is a very long history of mining, obviously. And there is a tourist mine on the German side, as you mentioned. You can go underground on the German side and walk about 300 metres to the Czech border. And as soon as you cross through that gate, you're in the Sinovitz deposit. So I'm not sure in the US, but certainly in Australia, I don't think a lot of people appreciate the long history of mining in Europe because clearly there's not been a lot of recent mining there other than things like coal, et cetera, et cetera. But there is a long history and um, and it would be great to be a part of the movement to to reinitiate that, you know, to, to empower the green transition. That sounds great. Well, thank you very much, Keith, for this update. Good to see early in the year, you know, some good news. There hasn't been a ton of news flow. As we said before, you know, the, I look at the scoreboard and you have 128 million Aussie market cap. I mean, for one of the most advanced projects in Europe, largest strategic now compared to some other projects out there, it, 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 it's going to be a slowly and... and and then suddenly, you know, kind of stories. So there are overvalued companies on our scoreboard and there are deeply discounted ones. And I think 
you know, the negativity or, or what's reflected, it, what your stock price is reflecting is, yeah, I think one of the, the tweeters out there, Haplo, he's just, just like, what what we have here is a failure to communicate. I forget which. Uh, cool hand Luke. Wait, was that cool hand Luke? Okay. You know, so the, there has been, it's been slow on news flow a bit. Uh, you know, a lot of stocks sold off toward the end of last year and, you know, not, not on a lot of volume and a number of the stocks have come back because people said there's nothing wrong with that company and they've just put in you know bids and and, and the stocks have kind of gone up you've not had any news until now uh and, and hopefully this news and and this video and, and other marketing activity you're doing at benchmark and elsewhere will you know get get people to remember uh, the value proposition here well, right. yeah, look, this is not an isolated news, Howard. Yeah, there will be other things to follow in the short term. Very good. Well, looking forward to a great year. Our last video was called uh, Piedmont's Year. I'd like to think it's also European Metals Holdings Year, you know, strategic Cinevec. Good talking to you, Keith. Safe travels back to Perth. And, and uh, look forward to talking with you again soon. Mm -hmm.